1: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And especially this week, we are kind of celebrating Pride Month, and we are both cisgender straight females, so we are not speaking from personal experience, we are not speaking as experts, this is this month for us I feel like is going to be more about like educating ourselves. Yes. And telling each other what we've learned. Yes. And not telling you shit. Correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> you the people listening
0: who to, may not uh, who
1: may know more than us, like, like just who frankly. Who probably know a lot more than us. Yeah. And it'll also be a good opportunity for you guys to then be like, "Hey, I heard you say this thing." Did you also know this?
0: Yeah, and I would love that. We definitely want to be called in on things like that. And I think that also, this is a really good time to reiterate that this is, while we hope that everyone listening gets something out of it, we're definitely getting something out of it. We're learning new things as we go. This is also a very conversational podcast. Mm -hmm. So it is the two of us having a conversation about these issues and these people, and so there's a possibility that we won't get everything right. Yes. We will do our
1: best. We're not going to be inconsiderate, but... Correct. Yeah. But we're gonna... Yeah.
0: Just as always, we may make mistakes. Yeah. And before we get started, I know that, like, all of you who follow us on social media will already know this, but I want to make it formal right here, On Thursday, we were supposed to have a mini-episode, we recorded a whole one, we um, edited a whole one, we were ready to go, and there was an error on my part. I keep all of my files for both of my podcasts saved in the same folder, and somehow that episode got recorded over, and we lost it, and so that is entirely my fault. I take 100% of the responsibility that we lost that episode. So I'm sorry. And moving forward, I will definitely be more careful and conscientious about that. You live and you
1: learn. right? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's all a learning process and I I don't make any excuses. It's been, it's been a difficult week, but you know what, like you have your commitments. No,
1: you don't, you don't make excuses, but at the same time you can't harp on them too much i'm totally fine with it you know i think that everybody listening i think that's part of the appeal of us is that we are we're independent podcasters it's we're two people in a closet chatting with each other because we love what we do and we love talking to each other and so when we make
0: mistakes just gotta move forward thank you and i really appreciate your understanding Yeah, and i really appreciate um the feedback that we've gotten from listeners that they've been really understanding and Really, with the week I've had, that means so much to me. So yeah. I really appreciate that very much. Can I also say that your boobs look fantastic right now? <laughs> Thank you.
1: You know, I got so distracted by your boobs while you were apologizing. I look really
0: good in a like a low V. So you I look really that. good in a low Thank V. You. I feel like I'm like
1: too.
0: I don't know, too wide boobs. <laughs> And you referred to yourself as wide-boobed on, like, more than one occasion, and I think it's, like, such a weird mental picture, because when I look at you, there's no way that I would be like, she's got wide boobs. I do have really
1: wide boobs. <laughs> I can't wear, like, a side-boob thing. It doesn't work. So, Keegan's gonna
0: go first today. So, this week we're talking about um, Which is our... We're doing a book report episode, guys. book report style, da-da-da, dun, 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 um, about are queer feminist faves. So this is Pride Month, and we really kind of wanted to, like, pay homage to women who kind of maybe were trailblazers within not only the feminist community, but also the queer community. Mm -hmm. And um, next week, I think we're also going to cover Stonewall and some of the other aspects of that, so we're going to kind of, like, ease our way into that as well. Yep. Um, that's and a then, biggie. and then we really hope to, but I think it kind of depends on how many stories we receive. We yeah. would, we would love to read your coming out stories for the final week of. If we could June. just do
1: a whole episode of like coming out, I would love and that. stories and talking about coming out. I think that'd be super cool. That would be my favorite. I'll reach out to some people. You reach out to some people too. We'll try yeah. to get some stories. So, guys, seriously, send them in. We really want to put our queer. Uh, Fans, listeners, Liz, yeah, yeah, to the forefront. forefront. I
0: agree. I agree.
1: We're gonna put you up on this pedestal. We're gonna put cute little
0: tiaras on you all. You're yeah. the most important. Right flower now. crowns, flower crowns like galore, glitter, glitter. Oh, so much glitter! Rainbows I love glitter. Glitter's the best. Yes. Okay. Rainbow glitter. Rainbow glitter. Keegan, um, okay. What are you so talking about this week? And listen, I know that people, historians, art lovers know a lot about this person, Mm -hmm. and I am definitely not going to get it all right, okay? Oh, I'm (laughs) definitely going to get my person very wrong as well, so don't worry about it. But... I thought, and I woke up this morning totally thinking I was going to do somebody else. Really? Yeah, I did. And then, like, I don't know what happened. I was, like, looking at things online, and I was like, you know what? You were moved. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to do Frida Kahlo. (gasps) I was like, let's do Frida Kahlo. Oh, my gosh. So, Frida Kahlo was born on July 6, 1907. Almost my birthday. Yes. Come on, Frida. Almost Fourth of July. But... As you will learn kind of, like, going through her history, it's very interesting. She will say that she said that she was born on July sixth, 1910, because that was the year of the Mexican Revolution. Mm. And kind of, like, everything about her life is super... Artistic, like, she let that, like, artistic part of her so life... So for
1: her, because she didn't have the revolution for the first three years of her life, it was like she wasn't really alive until that happened. Well,
0: I think she kind of wanted everything to be really poetic. It kind of reminded me of when you are talking about Audrey Lorde and how she changed the spelling of her name to make it more symmetrical to her yeah. last name. It's kind of like she wanted everything about her life to be this kind of, like, beautiful art. She wanted everything wow. about her life to be art. That's like a lot of work, but also super cool. It is a lot of work. It's way, 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 way more work than I would be willing to do. It's like getting up in
1: the morning. I'm like, I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to
0: make this poetic as fuck. The most beautiful <laughs> teeth brushing I've ever done in my life. Um, so she was born in 1907. Her mother was a, um, she was like a native... Mexican mm-hmm. so a native american native central american and um her father was german and her mother oh sorry it was native like central american and spanish so okay. kind of like that european yeah. mexican and then her dad was german and she was one of like a couple of sisters and but the, she's in mexico right in mexico okay. yes and like her father kind of could tell right away that Her sisters were kind of, like, very traditional girls, and he was putting them on a very traditional girl path for this time, like, early 1900s, and he could tell with her that she was... There was something about her that was just, like, more free-spirited, more artistic. Her mother was kind of, like, a religious zealot, like, was, like, Mm. you know, and Frida wanted to wear men's clothing. She was very kind of, like, outspoken about things, so her dad... Send her to um, this German college in Mexico City. He was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send the the girls off to like Catholic school. Your sister's off to like regular Catholic school to be taught by nuns at a convent or whatever. And I'm yeah. gonna send you to this like German school in Mexico. City. That's really
1: cool though. That at that time, especially a father, I feel like could look at their daughter and and notice the differences between yes. his children. Yeah, like that's super observant and yes. incredibly lucky because I feel like that is a super rare thing, even now, yes. for parents to be like, wow, look at how different each of my kids are. They have different needs and personalities. Yeah, and
0: and, and she, he really nurtured that in her, and her mother didn't at all. Yeah. You know, her mother was not happy about that. Yeah,
1: this. you know, I feel like that happens a lot. Uh, That happened with Judy Garland, where her father was kind of the one that always looked after her. Her mother had this more, like, idea of how everything should Mm -hmm. go. But I'm not going to make this
0: about Judy Garland, so you go. (laughs) We'll definitely have an episode about Judy Garland. Don't worry, it's coming up. I'm going to talk about her during Stonewall, if you're ready. Oh, ooh, yes, I am ready. I'm curious and ready. So, another thing about Frida that's kind of important to know as we, like, move on in this story is that when she was a child, she suffered from... Uh, polio, mm-hmm. and it affected her for the rest of her life. She was left with a disability that that um, caused like one leg to be significantly shorter than the other. Mm-hmm. So she limped around everywhere. Yeah. Um. So she went to this college, this uh, German college in Mexico City, and. Unfortunately, she was sexually abused while she was at this college. But still, regardless of that, she was very smart and very bright. And she went on to become one of like only like five girls to attend this um, national preparatory school. Um, And her mom was very upset (laughs) that she was like one of the five girls because, well, because at this time, it was very unusual for there to be co ed schools. And okay. this was at the very beginning. Like, she was, I think... I was just thinking that he, she maybe didn't want her to, like, stand out. Yeah, I mean, I think like that was, like, part like of it... women
1: are supposed to blend in kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think also it was just, like, if your daughter was going to go to school, she needed to go, at a, go to a school separate from the men. Like, yeah. it was like you didn't want her to be at a school with guys, because that was, like, oh, a yeah. reflection I mean, on co-ed, her purity.
1: Yeah, co-ed schools didn't really normal. I mean, my mom went to an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. Chris went to an all boy school.
0: Well, I mean, and we're talking, like, Frida Kahlo was born in 1907. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. this is very,
1: like, it, yeah, the fact that she went to a co-ed school, I can yeah. kind of see where it would be an issue.
0: And it was kind of, like, it had only begun to happen after the Mexican Revolution, yeah. so it was very new. Like, I think this was the first time that this college even had allowed girls in, and she was yeah. in one of the first, like... Grips of girls who who were allowed to attend, awesome. and she wanted to be a doctor originally, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So she wanted to be a doctor, and she was studying to become a doctor. Was doing very well at that, and then something happened that kind of. I mean, ultimately, I think this is probably the most important thing that happened to her was that she she and her boyfriend at the time. Um, like, okay, hold on. Before I say this, I should say that she met her future husband, Diego Rivera, who was a, like, world-renowned painter Mm -hmm. at this time, um, while she was at school here, Mm -hmm. when she was, like, I don't know, she was a teenager. Yeah. And she, she met him, he was 20 years her senior, and, you know, nothing happened at that point. She was still studying to become a doctor. And, um, they went along their merry way, or whatever. And then she was with her boyfriend on her way to something and she was in a wooden bus and there was a... A wooden bus? A wooden bus. Well, okay, like... I just want Sorry, I just want to make sure I heard you right. You heard right. me right? Okay. Yeah. Okay, in a wooden bus. Got it. And it got into an accident with some, like, automobile, right? Yeah. And it was a devastating... Yeah. ...wreck and uh, some people died. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend was fine, but she ended up in an accident that, like, a poll or something was like it went through That's her like the episode
1: of Grey's Anatomy. Hor- I've never
0: seen Grey's Anatomy. I've never seen one episode Dude, of Grey's
1: that, Anatomy. Watch that episode where the poll goes through the two people holy shit, watch it. Sorry, continue. Well, this only went through her, but it went through, like, her her hip area. Like
0: Yes, so it was very bad. She already was, like, disabled. Yes. So she was, like, severely injured from this. Like, she wasn't sure if she was ever going to walk again um, or what was going to happen. So she Mm -hmm. was kind of like, okay, I think I'm going to have to give up my dreams of becoming a doctor. Mm -hmm. And so she was, like, laid out in bed, and she was like, okay, if I can't become a doctor, maybe I, be- I can become, like, um, a medical artist. You know, like one of those people who do, like, uh, drawings of anatomy yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so she was, like, laying on her back. and Has was, like, she
1: dabbled in art before? You that know, she knew that she would want to do something artsy? I don't, I don't know. I don't That's know
0: why she did this. And, you know, she met Diego Rivera when she was, this is another important thing, she was a um, communist, Like, she was a communist, and she was in, like, the Socialist Party uh, in her school, and she was very, very active, and so was Diego Rivera, and I think that that's how they met each other. So, maybe she was introduced to the world of art through him, possibly. I don't know. But she was self-taught. She's entirely self-taught. She never took any classes, but she kind of, like, learned that she was... Very talented at this, and there are pictures of her like laying in bed on her back, yeah, with like her um, palette on her stomach, yeah, and like painting. And she would the reason why she did so many self-portraits is because she was laying in bed, she couldn't get up. Her family, I think, her father hung a mirror above her bed, wow, so she could paint herself. Um, oh my god, in the I love mirror, it. like so she could like learn how to like paint herself. So that's like. My dream. It's fascinating. Never have to leave my bed. Oh, God. I'm just like I mean, I don't want to be in that kind of pain. No. But like also <laughs> Just like for a couple days. But also, like, could I just lay in bed and paint? That'd be amazing. That'd be great. Um Does it land on her? Does she I don't know. We'll get into that later. We'll talk about that <laughs> off the <air. laughs> But she so she, she was teaching herself how to paint and I don't remember exactly how it happened, but somehow she she remet. Diego Rivera at this point. Like, a few years had gone by, and she met Diego Rivera again. And, you know what, like, Frida Kahlo, I know people kind of have this idea of her because of her facial hair, and her like, unibrow, and whatever. But... She was beautiful. Like, oh, I yeah. Think she was, like, so beautiful. She was gorgeous. Yeah,
1: and... She has such a... It, it was the way she, like, in, in video clips and photos that I've seen of her, like, just kind of the way that she's, like, carried herself. Yeah,
0: that. she had this enigmatic personality. Yeah, it like, was know, like, just so unique. It, yeah, it was, it was very, like, um, appealing. Yeah. And she didn't give a fuck what anybody thought about her, which no. is also amazing. Which is, like, you know that girl who's got, like, you know, she might have
1: acne or she might have, like hair that wouldn't be normally, like, Mm -hmm. pretty, but yet she carries herself so confidently that you're like, that is the coolest person I've ever seen in the world, and she rocks all of her imperfections. Yeah,
0: Yeah. And Diego Rivera, on the other hand, in every picture, I I always hear him talked about, like, he was this, like, playboy or whatever. Yeah. But when I see pictures of him, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, okay you know? (laughs) I mean, like, I don't care. I'm, like, to each their own. Right. And he was extremely talented, you know? Oh, he's not cute. No. He's not cute, dude. Yeah, not to me. me. (laughs) It was because he was
1: talented, for sure. And I think he was very smart. I was gonna say, he was probably also very sweet and smart, and I'm not saying that if you're, like, I'm not trying to, like, well, ugly bash on people. No, okay,
0: but he also had some personality flaws that we'll get into. But oh, okay, But he was, he was 20 years her senior, and somehow they they remet. I think she was finally able to get back into going to, um, you know, communist meetings and stuff like that and kind of yeah. reconnected with him. And she showed him some of her paintings, and she was like, I don't know, do you think I'm an artist? And he was like, absolutely, you're an artist. Like, yeah. The, these are incredible paintings, and at uh-huh. the time, women really didn't paint like that. Like, they yeah. didn't paint things that meant things, you know what I mean? Like, they, they, they weren't, like, emotional, and if yeah. you were emotional in your art, you were, like, hysterical or crazy. Yeah. Oh, sounds familiar. You know, like, and so... It was kind of phenomenal and incredible that she was able to get this kind of, like, emotion out on canvas. Right, and have it be, like, accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of, like, took her under his wing and was like, I'm going to, like, like, you know, I love you. I think that you're incredible. Yeah. So the two of them started what, I mean, I think it was a very real love affair. Like, I think Uh that they really did love each other a lot, even though it was, like, a really tumultuous relationship. I mean, haven't we all been there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you love that person, but they're still awful. I mean, and it was made... It was made different. I don't want to say difficult or anything like that. By the fact that she was bisexual. And she Mm -hmm. was very openly bisexual. Which is another thing that was kind of unheard of at that time. Like, she was... How how old did you say she is during this time of, like, the accident and Dio and Early 20s.
1: She's in her early 20s, yeah. so that would mean that it's, like, the late 20s. Yeah. Early 30s. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely unheard of for being openly gay and bisexual or... Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. She wow. was; It was very unusual. And, like, she's said to have had um, affairs with lots of famous women. Like, uh, famous women who I'm almost hesitant to talk about because, like, although it's pretty well documented that they were bisexual, they never came out as bisexual during their lifetimes, but yeah. she, I mean, it said that... Tell me. Okay. I want to know. I'm like, all right, you don't have to find me you convinced me, it's fine. She is said to have had affairs with, like, Georgia O'Keefe. Wow. And who I think maybe did have, yeah. like, come out a little bit during that time, but one who didn't, almost to the point of, like, homophobia yeah. was, um, and whom I do love is Josephine Baker. Oh. Like, she was said to have had, like, an affair with Josephine Baker.
1: Well, they, you know, we all know the trope of, you know, when there's extreme homophobia, that they may be closeting some own feelings within themselves. It's interesting to me, because I would hear, like, Cary Grant was Yeah, pretty, I've, I've heard that, too. You know, mm-hmm. when, with the men. And uh, it's interesting how we learn these things later on, but because it wasn't openly spoken about, there was a lot of homophobia. Or deeply buried, yeah. It's deeply buried, and they couldn't accept it about themselves, so they had to, like, push it down so Mm -hmm. far. Mm -hmm. But um, that's wonderful. And it's
0: crazy because, like, Josephine Baker, it was surprising for me to learn that because she was so open and progressive in so many other ways. But there's... People have pitfalls, you know? Yeah. They have that one area in their mind that they just can't look at, you know? Yeah, but that was something that made... That made um, Frida Kahlo so... incredibly and brave. Is because <laughs> yeah. she was like, I... Don't care. Like, she truly... Like, okay, so I'm gonna hit on... I, I'll continue on with the story of, like, who she was and all yeah. that. But I kind of... Because I think some people... I, another reason why I wanted to pick her... And I, and I kind of questioned myself as to whether or not I should pick her... Because she was married to a man for so long. And I wasn't sure if I should pick her as a queer feminist favorite. But... I did because I feel like bisexual people get left out of this conversation so much. I was just going to, like, interject when you said that, that she was
1: married to a man for so long. Because I think, like you said, bisexual people are so often pushed to the side, where especially if they're in a relationship with the opposite sex, they are meant to feel invalidated about their sexual preference. Yeah, and it doesn't make you...
0: Not a member of that community just well, because. Well, a lot of
1: people don't believe that bisexuality even exists. And
0: I think that that's really unfair. And it's I don't think you, you get to tell somebody how they identify. Um, I don't think that that's fair. And I don't think that you get to invalidate their feelings for someone of the same sex just because they were married or they've had relationships with people of the opposite sex. Like, that doesn't make them a heterosexual person. That no,
1: just, it doesn't. Yeah. Who, you, who you're with just, like, with anything else doesn't define who you are.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, people are complicated. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like how, like, Miley, who's problematic, we'll talk about another time, but she came out as pansexual. She's with a man. You know what I mean? Like, you can be who you are and still love in what is seen as a conventional way. mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think it... and And I do think that a lot of people see people, like... Or not people like. I think a lot of people see Frida Kahlo as a queer icon.
1: Oh, yeah. But I didn't even know she was a queer icon until I was well into adulthood.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, me neither. But you know what? There was something about me. I never really identified her as a queer icon, but I always identified her as a very strong feminist icon. Exactly. Um,
1: And then you learn about her and you're like... Holy fuck.
0: Right. Yes. It all goes into her just being so, like, unapologetically herself. Yeah. Just being like, I'm gonna love who I'm gonna love. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. sleep with who I'm gonna sleep with. And it goes even further into that, like, things that make her such a feminist icon are not only that she was such an unapologetic artist, but she also... Like, the fact that she didn't wax her mustache, and she didn't wax her eyebrows, and she, in fact, would darken her eyebrows, because she wanted it to be, this is just part of, like, who I am, and it doesn't make me any less of a woman or any less of, you know, of anything. It doesn't make me—and she didn't shave her underarms— and she would dress as a man when she felt like it. And she would wear pants Dude, when she felt
1: like it. everything you're saying right
0: now is reminding me so much of my friend Bailey. It's crazy. Mm-hmm.
1: She's the same way. She, like, has, like, kind of her mustache hairs that she, like, has totally embraced. She dresses very, like, sometimes she dresses more masculine, sometimes more feminine. Like, she's just totally who she is. And
0: I, I am so envious of that
1: because I'm so aware. She's so dope. You guys, I'm going to give a quick shout out. Her band is called 26 Bats. hmm She's so...
0: Wait, 26 Bats? 26 like- Bats, like the animal.
1: Okay, she's a her birthday is May twenty sixth, so she's always been obsessed with the number twenty six. Uh-huh. And then she loves bats. Um, and her and my friend Carl are in a band together, and I love them. They've been my friends for like over ten years. Do they
0: have an Instagram? Is it twenty six bats? Yes, yeah, twenty six bats. All right, follow them on Instagram. Yeah, they're super
1: <laughs> rad. But she's she's one of those people that I've always looked up to because even when she's younger than me, like I was a senior in high school and she was a freshman, mm-hmm. and even then, like you know, she wasn't quite as like self accepting and. um individualized, I guess, mm-hmm. as she is now. But uh kind of, like, having her in my life has always been, like, something that I've really looked up to. Yeah. Like, like yeah, like, why not just accept that
0: weird thing? I think thing? it's so important to f- have people to look up to either in your life, like you do with Bailey, or, like, people in history like Frida Kahlo to look at and say, like, there's no one way. There's yeah. no one way to be a woman. There's no one way to be a person. And you in fact, are more great if you just kind of, like, embrace yourself, like, yeah. for who you are, and um, I think that, like, Frida Kahlo had this kind of, like, gender fluidity about her yeah, that existed before we knew what the term gender fluid was, right. you know? Even
1: if Even if she did, you know, this is the thing that I feel like, you know, we can discuss more about as far as, like, gender studies kind of things go, but, like, I truly believe that it's such a spectrum, mm-hmm. okay. and you can be a woman, like, there are some very masculine sides of myself that I really, like, nurture and love, yet I still very much identify as a woman. Yeah. Like, that's something that's interesting for me to kind of learn about myself more as I get older.
0: I would say Frida Kahlo, from everything that I've learned in researching her... Would say that she does genuinely identify, or did genuinely identify as a woman as well, like,
1: right? But then I you think, can still find those sides of yourself and still be like, just because I have those parts of myself that are real, I can still identify how I want to identify right, myself as.
0: Right, yeah. and wearing pants and letting my mustache grow in and dating women doesn't make me any less of a woman. Like she was preach, girl. very much like like that way. Yes. Um. So I'll kind of like quickly move through the rest of it because I really just wanted to. No, don't go quickly. It's fine. <laughs> I sh- want to hear all about was. it. Um, but, okay, so her and Diego get married, and they have what we would now call an open marriage, pretty much. Like, yeah. Even though there's some debate as to how much of his extramarital affairs were condoned by Frida. Right. If you're in an open marriage, you have to, like, communicate. communicate. like, to the <laughs> point where, like, like, here's the thing, like, no doubt he had an amazing personality, I'm sure, was very charismatic and an incredible artist, but he did things like try to get his doctor to write him a note that said that he could not be faithful, <laughs> because he knew that, like, Frida was, like, not down with everything that he was doing, so he, like, tried to, like, get a doctor to write him a note that was, like, Guys. he's physically incapable of being Guys. faithful. Guys. And at one point, they ended up getting divorced because... He had an affair with her sister. Of course he did. Which is like. Sister? It's like, come on, that is not sister solidarity. And you have all of the women in the world to pick from. Ugh. Like why would you pick her sister? Christ. You know, she's letting you have an or well, not letting you, you guys have agreed to have <laughs> you've agreed together to have an open marriage. Like yeah. you're both seeing other people. Like, why did you have to pick the one thing that you couldn't have, you know what I mean? Ugh. So they ended up getting divorced, but then they got remarried the next year. So it was like um but Frida suffered chronic pain for her whole life. Yeah. Partially due... She ended up having, like... I think she ended up having something amputated. I think she had gangrene at one point and had wow. something amputated. She suffered from uh, pain from her limp from her polio. Yeah. And then she was infertile because of the accident on the bus. Whatever happened... She suffered a couple of miscarriages. and it, Yeah. She depicts it in her art. Like... um, her desire to have a child was depicted greatly in her art, and she uh, was really hurt by that. And so she ended up having like a lot of animals. She was an animal lover. She had yeah. like spider monkeys and cats and yes. dogs and spider yeah, monkeys. Yeah, and she painted herself with spider monkeys all I the love time it. because that that pole like it went through her middle, and it yeah. really like messed up her ability to conceive. And so she was never able to have a child, and it was like really, really devastating. She
1: feels us. There are
0: babies.
1: There yeah. Are, like
0: little animal babies. Yeah. But she was just, it, it, there was something just so like wonderful and passionate about her. And I, I read one story where she, there was this actress named Dorothy Hale who committed suicide by jumping off of this building. And uh, one of her friends, I guess she'd like, at Dorothy Hale had like fallen on hard times and was relying on friends for like help and things. And, um, Just couldn't do it anymore And like You know We just had the passing Of Kate Spade And the passing of Anthony Bourdain today Um Which has really put Suicide in the forefront And This This woman Who was a friend Of Dorothy Hale Asked Frida Kahlo Like can you paint a Portrait of my friend. Oh, Well, it feels like, ah, but Frida Kahlo, being who she was, was like, oh, I'll paint your friend for you, and I don't think she meant it like this, because I think that she just kind of, like, saw the truth for, like, she just saw the truth differently, like, and her idea of, like, art and beauty was mm-hmm. different, and what she ended up painting, and it's a very interesting portrait, don't look at it if you're, like, very sensitive, um, but she painted this picture of... It's almost like a story, like, there's, like, the the building in the background, and you see, like, Dorothy standing on the top of the building, and then it's, like, clouds, and then you see Dorothy in the clouds, and then in kind of the foreground, up at the front of the picture, it's, like, Dorothy on the ground. Oh, yeah. Like, with blood. Like, you can see that she, like, jumped from the building, and her friend was like... Ah, uh-huh, we can't give this to her. Her friend almost passed... Like, the, the, the friend of Dorothy Hale, like, when she unopened it, like, she almost passed out because she was like, that's not what I meant when I said that you should...
1: <laughs> like, paint her beautifully to make her feel better. Right. Don't, like, and that's, that's not what she did. Paint but, her death. But, but, she, but she was trying to be truthful, and I yeah. think that the way you described it is still like a She wasn't trying to be hurtful, you know? People go at me for this, but, like, it's kind of, like, it's still a very beautiful thing, and it's almost like being at peace
0: with the way that she felt at the time. It's so weird, because normally I would hear that, and I would be like, no way, is it, like, a beautiful thing, but having seen the painting... There was a weird feeling of, like, peacefulness about the painting.
1: Well, that's the thing. Is like, you know, we, we never want to romanticize suicide. But what we do have to realize is that for some people, there is a form of, I guess, their mindset could be a peaceful thing. Or, like, whenever we think of someone's death, their struggle is over. They're at rest. And maybe that was something for her that she was putting onto paper, you know, not saying that, oh yeah, like suicide is peaceful or death is peaceful no. necessarily. I mean, but like, honestly,
0: if you look at this, it doesn't, it made me feel peaceful, but it's not necessarily like a, a peaceful painting. No, but it's honest, but because, it's honest. because
1: it's not going to be yeah. just peaceful. There's yeah. also and sadness and anger and depression and stuff. And I don't and know, it's stuff. like,
0: I'm not an art critic, so I can't be like, I can't, I can't articulate exactly why I feel any particular way about any piece of art, but there is something, and I know, when you can't put it into words, it's just, like, that it factor, I guess, that Frida Kahlo has, or had. Like, she had this, like, there's something about the way that she painted that was so, like, raw and emotional. It is, I'm looking at
1: it right now, and it is interesting, because as the woman is falling from the building, she looks like an angel, especially because she's within kind of this cloud. It's weirdly peaceful. And then, but then you get to the bottom, and it's showing, I feel like, kind of the, again, I'm not an art critic either, but I I love art. And I feel like at the bottom, where she's laying down, it's it's showing the ugly. Yeah. Like, the idea of her falling from Mm -hmm. the building could be wonderful and peaceful and dreamy, but then the reality of, like, the actual death yeah. It's almost like a warning. Like, yeah. you don't want to do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, I like mean, and, and there is just something about the way that Frida Kahlo painted that was so, like, emotional and real. Attached. And, yeah. yeah, like, it was, like, a little piece of herself in every single painting, and and I like that she didn't... I think part of why I wanted to pick her as, like, my queer feminist fave is because, like, I don't think she hid any part of herself in, like, she was very, very honest about, like, her sexuality and who she thought she was and, you know, the way she felt about herself and her looks and she still thought she was beautiful and all of those things and she put all of those things into her art and I think that that's, like, so, like, honorable. And inspiring, yeah, yeah. So, um, that's Frida Kahlo. She, She passed away at the age of, I think, 47? Here, let me... Just look real quick because I did all of that without really looking at my notes. So that was fantastic, Keegan, I'm you. always I'm always in awe of your storytelling abilities. Thank I you. love it. She died on July 13th um, in 1954. So she wow, had right she after had, her birthday. Yeah, she had just turned 47, and I believe that she died of complications from um, her various illnesses. Yeah,
1: that accident was rough,
0: man. Yeah, and she was in a significant amount of pain throughout yeah. most of her life, and she stayed married. So she got divorced from Diego, remarried Diego a year later, and stayed married to him until her death. So, um, but yeah, that is my bisexual
1: fave. I learned some new stuff, and I've, I've grown more and more love for her. So thank you. Thanks! Um, I'm gonna talk about Sylvia. Yes, you are. Rivera. Yes. I'm gonna do my best to do her justice, we would need a 10-part series for me to touch on everything about. So I'm just going to, like, scrape the surface. I'm just going to just just barely get, just get a little bit of Sylvia in here. Good idea. I got you, girl. Okay, so she was born Ray Rivera on July 2nd, the day before Frida, no, wait, oh. Frida Kahlo was July 6th. July 7th. 7th. Yeah. 7th? No, 6th. You said 6th. Hold on. Oh, 6th, you're right. I'm Sorry. so right. You're so right. So, both July. That's awesome, because I'm July, too, and I <laughs> feel like it's the best month of the July year. July, babies. She was born in the Bronx, and the Bronx is awesome because that's where my boyfriend grew up. Um, and I learned today, because I'm going to go see the Newsies, and we were listening <sighs> to... Brooklyn is here from the Newsies, and they say, so's the Bronx.
0: <laughs> and make for, but I heard
1: that that's called, like, the Bronx, like... Cheer or something? Is that something? a Bronx song? Like, like that's their like that's apparently what they too. Oh, no. I'm gonna have to ask Chris when I get home. I, I don't, don't know, like that. but that's what his dad said, and I was like, because I thought they were saying like "boo the Bronx," and I was like, "fuck you guys." Um, anyway, so when she was born, her father abandoned her, and her mother and her mother committed suicide when she was three. Oh my goodness! She is of Puerto Rican Venezuelan descent, and her mother. Did I already say her mother committed suicide when she was three? Yeah. Wow. It's okay. Okay. So she then had to move in with her Venezuelan grandmother, where, as we know, uh, with families of people of color, sometimes there's some colorism going on. Indeed, there about is. About how dark you are. Yeah. So uh, these are just things that I've I've read. There's various accounts of, of her grandmother and how she treated her, but there are people saying that she was critical of her because of the darkness of her skin. Uh, I don't even she was, feel like she was that dark. I don't feel like she was either, but I think maybe because she was of Puerto Rican descent that maybe there was some oh, tensions in there. Oh, okay. I don't know. But there, there wasn't a whole lot about her childhood, but she... I've also read some things where she was physically abusive to her. Especially because she had very effeminate clothing and behaviors. She was, I mean, from the time she was a small child, had this kind of effeminate behavior.
0: So I guess we should clarify, just in case you aren't, uh, we haven't said this yet, um, in case you aren't aware of who Sylvia Rivera is, when we say that she was born Ray Rivera, she was biologically male. Yes. Yeah.
1: But she she is trans. Uh, before trans was even really a thing, she she was a self-proclaimed drag queen. Yeah. And very proudly, but very much meant the same thing as what we would now say being trans. Yeah. So she, because she was just herself, you know, she had very effeminate behavior, um, very feminine. Her grandmother disapproved. She, Sylvia was living on the streets by the time she was 11 years old. Wow, God. God. She God. worked as a sex worker.
0: Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like... I can't, Think but, about yourself at 11. Oh, like, I know.
1: I know. I'm thinking braces and bad so Abercrombie and fish So tiny, and
0: so tiny. Like, I think yeah. I probably weighed, like, 85 pounds when yeah. I was 11. Like, you're just little. You're, you're
1: not womanly at all. And that's what's fucked up about the world, that, that you could be 11 and work as a sex worker. So, uh, she... As, as she was working as a sex worker, this kind of group of drag queens kind of came and, like, took her under their wing and gave her the name Sylvia. And she kind of found a place of acceptance, and, you know, they would kind of go from place to place and try to find places to live and sleep in hallways and shelters and wherever they could go. But because they were trans and drag queens... They weren't as openly accepted in homeless communities, Mm -hmm. things like that. They kind of had an extra um, edge to them that made them harder, made it harder for them to live normal lives as even a homeless New Yorker. Mm -hmm. So Rivera's activism began after, or sorry, began during the civil rights movement. She was, um, you know, people focus a lot on her activism in the gay community and trans community. She was also very active in the civil rights movement and about racism and, um, especially just anyone who was a minority and in poverty. She Mm -hmm. just really felt for because she had experienced so much of those things herself.
0: I think it's really interesting and we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but... It is really interesting, and there's a reason why so often we will say that like trans women and trans women of color have led this movement from the beginning is because from the beginning they have been there for everyone else's rights, even when that they were finally just like, "Hey, yeah, here." Even when no one else was there for their rights, like no one, like they were kind of ostracized even from homosexual communities. Well, and I will definitely touch more on that. So. Um, her it went
1: on through the Vietnam War and into the second wave feminism so she she was a feminist she was a self-proclaimed feminist as well uh, she became involved in Puerto Rican and African- American youth activism particularly with the young Lords and Black Panthers these are things that I feel like are brushed over a little bit with her because her her true calling was in the the gay rights mm-hmm. Um
0: well, I mean, but I do want to highlight real fast just how brave and important it is that she would have been involved in the Black Panthers because the Black Panthers being while, a trans woman because mm-hmm. so, they were sexist against just correct. cisgender women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like listen, I give as a black woman, like I give the Black Panthers so much credit, and oh, like, yeah, I give them yeah. all of all of the due that they deserve, but. They had their pitfalls, and, you know, black women in that community struggled for their own rights, so being a, um, especially the black community, especially at that time, was pretty homophobic, continues right. to be... Well, she she wasn't even black, right? Yeah. she was one yeah. of those people that just wanted to be an ally and wanted to right. help as many people as she right. could. Right, so it's amazing that she... ...kind of asserted herself in that community... Yeah. ...given how difficult that would have been at the time.
1: Oh, yeah. She yeah. just she just cared and loved, and um, she, she fought for herself, but more than fighting for herself, she fought for other people, like I was saying, and especially for low-income queer and trans people. Mm-hmm. That was a soft spot for her, and this is something that I read online. It says, Sylvia was from the wrong ethnic group, from the wrong side of the tracks, wearing the wrong clothes... Managing single-handedly and simultaneously embody several frightening overlapping categories of otherness. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I feel like kind of circles Sylvia in her story a lot, is that she's part of so many things, because she is so many things, that she was kind of trapped in this otherness Category. There's yeah. no real place
0: to fit. Her. Yeah, there's. Um. So my friend is working on the show. Pose. Yes. I'm so excited to see that show. It's and, and I got to see it. Uh, yeah. And it is so good. And I think that it is something that everyone should watch because yeah. it does highlight how how othered yeah. these communities were. Like Very. if you were um, at the time, yeah, they called them drag drag you know, queens, even though they were trans. They're, yeah, but, but they even...
1: Probably called themselves drag queens, yeah. You know, I because mean, there was no other, there was no yeah, other real yeah, word for it. They didn't call it, you know?
0: themselves trans, but they would be on the hormones and stuff. But they yeah. even said they're like, we're the bottom of the bottom, like, yeah. you know. And then you needs add someone...
1: being a person of color on top mm-hmm. of that, you're exactly. adding another bottom. Trans yeah. women
0: of color were the most because it was like, even still are, and they still are, to they, this still, are. they still are, yeah. So on June twenty
1: eighth, nineteen sixty nine, a riot began at Stonewall Inn. And we're going to touch more on Stonewall another time, but just to kind of understand the danger involved in this really quick, it was American Mafia run. Mm -hmm. It's the only place that the gay people could feel, or, you know, part of the LGBTQ community could feel safe. Um, They would kind of work with the police and work with the people that were gay in the bar. Mm -hmm. So be like, hey, the cops are going to come, kind of like scatter a little bit, they're going to do a raid, and the cops would let them know when they were going to come, you know? So, Stonewall, apparently, they didn't know that the cops were going to be there. Again, we'll talk more about this next week. Um, The reason I'm touching on Stonewall is because there are many different theories about Sylvia's involvement with Stonewall. Mm -hmm. She is sometimes cited to have thrown the first brick. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they're like, she wasn't even there. So... Yeah, I've heard. And that's the thing, is the story behind it is mudded. It's, it it's is, muddled, it is. it's not true. It's almost but it's
0: almost lore at this point. It's kind of, like, folklore at this but point. But at
1: the, at the same time, for me, her particular involvement in it doesn't really matter. Matter,
0: I agree. I agree. Because
1: she still was so much a part of that riot, even if she wasn't physically there. And well, if she was physically there, it makes sense.
0: And it doesn't make her involvement... Um, in, in this movement any less important. Yeah. Like, her involvement in this movement is so, like, empowering and yeah. incredible that whether or not she was there, it's kind of, like, It's neither here nor there. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, after Stonewall, Sylvia became a part of new activist groups such as GLF, which is the Gay Liberation Foundation, and GAA, Gay Activist Alliance. Although she was lacking enthusiasm for the groups because her identity as a drag queen, streetwalker, poor, and Latina were troubling to the largely white idol class of these activist groups. So Does this sound
0: familiar? It kind of sounds, sounds incredibly, like... It sounds like when we were doing Black History Month. Yeah, it's kind of like, even within... It, it sounds like when we were covering the first wave of feminism, where it's like, even within marginalized communities, it's just like, you have to find someone to look down on. Yes! And I, I know that that's just human nature, it seems like. But it's so... But mm. it sucks. But this
1: this is what makes her so great, because she wasn't like, you're the problem, and blah, 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 blah. She was like, well, this is all I got, and I care about this movement, so I'm going to be a part of this shit, because if I want to make a difference, I have to be. Yeah. You know? So that's what's so great about her. She was able to kind of always put herself second. So Sylvia and the amazing Martha P. Johnson... We will talk more about her, too, I promise. (laughs) Besties Sylvia and Martha started STAR, which is the Street Transvestite Action Revolution, which provides protection, shelter, clothing, and food for struggling trans people. Hey, guys. Madigan here from editing. And I just realized that I called Marsha P. Johnson the Marsha P. Johnson Martha twice And um, I just need to apologize to everyone in the world because I can't believe I did that. I know that's not her name. So um, I just wanted to give a quick apology. Okay, back to the episode. So sorry. This was huge. And they had nothing. Sylvia and Mm -hmm. Martha had nothing. They worked as sex workers so that these other kids didn't have Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Can you imagine for me, especially, like if it's your choice to be a sex worker and you're like I mean, it, it they are choosing to do that to make money. But if it's fully your choice to do it and it's empowering, that's one thing. But I feel like they were like, Well, we just want don't want them to do it, so we're gonna like bite. We wanna the bullet keep them safe. It. Well but it's almost like you're you're putting yourself out there to be abused sexually because you want to protect the kids yeah, that remind I mean, you of yourself. So they're purposefully,
0: like, being raped and tortured. Yeah, and I it's mean, just, again, it's ugh. like, if you... So the, the show Pose is based on kind of based on the stuff that happened in the documentary called Paris is Burning. There's a great documentary. I have it if you want to watch it uh, called Paris is Burning and it's all about the like ball community in New York City at this same time that this was going on mm-hmm. um, where there were a lot of drag queens and a lot of like trans people and they created what they called families. They created houses where yeah. they would have a mother. And like your Well, mother... that's the thing is that so... That's what they were. Yeah. And um... I mean, without
1: without her being a mother and without her having her daughters in a way, like, they kind of saved each other's lives. Absolutely. Yeah. So, the GAA had often tried to exclude trans rights, but Sylvia continued to work with them in hopes of achieving inclusion for all gender-variant people. Um, again, just really setting her own, like, probably angers and prejudices aside and being like, I just gotta do this. And, um... She fought tirelessly to have quote-unquote drag queens included in the New York City gay rights bill, and when a councilwoman at the GAA meeting refused to read Sylvia's petition, she hit her over the head with it. She hit the councilman over the head with it. This
0: woman, like, you have to watch interviews with her because she's the best. She is so fiery. Like, she is so fiery, like, so feisty. Well, and this is the thing. She was a drug addict and a drunk. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yeah. and
1: she's super fiery and vivacious and then we learn later in her life she she meets her lover Julia and she gets they go they get sober together mm-hmm. and they were like huh, you thought she was fiery then yeah. watch her fucking sober yeah like, yeah watch out so we'll learn more about that part of her life in a little bit so the Gay Rights Bill was passed in 1986, and it did not include any language addressing the protection of drag queens, trans people, and other gender-variant people who didn't fit neatly into kind of, like, the mainstream gay community. And when Sylvia discovered this, she said, Hell hath no fury like a drag queen scorn. Hell yeah! <laughs> Girls!
0: Yeah! <laughs> I oh, love God. her.
1: So... In 1973, Sylvia felt that Star had died. Um, also in 1973, she wasn't treated so nicely at Pride. Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, she started off her speech being this booed. This is shameful. It's truly, truly it's shameful. It's shameful, and then you watch her rise above, and it's amazing. So I'm going to play just a clip of the end of her speech so you can hear her speak And you're immediately gonna pause this and go to YouTube and watch every video you can of her because, holy fucking God, it's amazing. So, listen, listen to this. In this speech, what's so amazing that you you don't get from that clip, she's getting booed and she's basically being like, the your gay people in prison who are being raped are messaging star. They're not messaging you, these gay rights activist people. No. They're messaging star because they know that we care. And these people are booing her and she's like, What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. What the, What are you doing? Like your people? These are not always just trans people. They're contacting us, mm-hmm. and she's trying to just get everyone to listen. She's saying gay power. She's yeah. not saying trans rights. Right. She's not. She's still. She's still putting herself in that bubble. Like, can we just please listen band, to each can other? We band together and for band like, one together second. Yeah, and realize that it's like it's not about me versus you. Yes, it's yeah. not about this. These these arguments and fights that people created yeah. with, amongst each other. It's about these individuals.
0: And when you see her do it, because I've, I've seen that clip of her doing that, and it's, there's so much passion. She gives everything. She, you and hear that's it. That's what's amazing. You, you can, can hear it in her voice. A power, like,
1: she's, yeah. she can't you even, can. like, speak it, because she's screaming, and she's like, please yeah. just, yeah. hear me and then her voice gives out and then like people have even, I mean Rosa Parks was not this outspoken but people have called her like the Rosa Parks of like the gay rights movement where yeah. she's just very like selfless
0: and giving and yeah I mean because it's it's kind of a, a, a fascinating thing to see because she every time you see her speak whether it's in an interview or it's, it's uh, um, at a podium at Pride or wherever it is You can tell that whatever she is doing, it is 110%. She's in it. Like, Mm -hmm. she's in it 110%. Oh, yeah. And she's giving her whole self to whatever that is, Yeah,
1: And we see it even more. So she was so disheartened by her life and the state of the gay rights movement and trans rights.
0: Well, because then she she went
1: and lived through the AIDS crisis, which was like... in 74, she attempted suicide. Yeah. And then... In the early, so she moved to Terryville, New York. Mm-hmm. She would do some drag shows. She would participate in Pride, but she was kind of like laying low a little bit. They said she worked as like management and food service, and just kind of was like living a normal life. And she was like, "This is not what I'm supposed to be doing." So she moves back to the city in the early '90s, and um, in 1992 was when Marsha P was found in the Hudson River. Yeah, and so that they. We're so interconnected, and Sylvia says in an interview, she says that when Marsha died, a piece of me died as well. She starts living a homeless life with other homeless youth, and it's right by the Hudson River, which is where Marsha was found. And she says, I look at that river, and I see Marsha. And in 95, she attempted suicide by walking into the Hudson River, yeah. And I think it was something where they had always decided to do everything together. That when Marcia died, she felt very alone and probably was never able to really cope with yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, loss. I, I think
0: that there's something about something to be said about a personality like Sylvia's that is so passionate, that like gives because it's, she it's, gives 110% right, to so everything. It's, it's a double edged sword. So you're giving 110% to all the wonderful things, but you're also giving 110%. Of your hurt, like when you're really yeah, hurt. Yeah, she
1: she felt her friend's
0: loss and then, death, and 100%. then also, um, you know, the life and death of of uh Marsha P. It's so complicated. It's it's also like she there's something about having no closure. Yeah, and the cops really didn't do anything. They didn't.
1: They didn't do anything. And so I feel like kind of like Frida Kahlo, where you're saying it. She lived a very poetic life. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's such a, a poetic. Symbol. I'm thankful that she lived, that the suicide attempt did not work, because she then continued to live a homeless life. But revived Star in mm-hmm. 2001, she began a relationship with uh, a woman named Julia, and Julia helped Sylvia quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, you know she would say like, if you think that. You know, Sylvia before was, cra- like, ferocious and crazy. Like, wait until you see her, like, clear-minded and sober. It's amazing. And they moved in with her, with Sylvia's quote-unquote daughter, Chelsea. And um, it was one of the girls that she had helped out years yeah. before Foreign stuff. Yeah. Tiny little apartment, but they got together. I thought it was really cute because it was right after Pokemon came out. Yeah! And Sylvia was really into, like, decorating the apartment and bought, like, a little plush... Um, Pikachu. That's cute. And Julia still has it. That's so cute. And, like, shows it to, like, the
0: documentarian. Did you see when Sylvia went to, I think it was, like, Pride in Brazil? Did no.
1: Did you see
0: that clip? I saw I saw the beginning of it, but I didn't get to see the whole thing. It is so... Oh, well, wait, no, I saw something from Rome. Maybe it was Rome. I thought it was Brazil, it was but World I... Pride. I need to re-watch it, but it was... It made me cry when I watched it because it was like you watch this woman go through kind of like the highs and the lows and losing her best friend and living in a tent next to the river and being at the lowest you could be as a alcoholic and feeling very disenfranchised with pride and yeah. with the LGBTQ community feeling like you don't belong there uh, or that they've abandoned you. Yeah. And then when you watch this clip of her, and I think it was shortly before she passed away, mm-hmm. um, where they are yelling her name, Yeah, they're chanting yeah, her name,
1: so.
0: and like, she gets off the stage, and she has all of these people, not just trans people, but like, just gay men, and like, people calling her mother, and saying yeah. like, you've, you know, she really me. was
1: everybody's mom, yeah. she was, and she, that was her, that was her whole life, you know, when she was living on the streets in... And kind of rebuilding star and everything like that. Even when she had kind of the means to move in with that daughter Chelsea of hers, it took her a while to mm-hmm. like actually move in because she was like, "If these kids don't have a home, why should I have a home?"
0: Yeah, you know, she she's just so was so empathetic. Selfless. Like, I think she's she almost, really she's almost empathetic to a to a fault to a fault. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm in, I'm gonna go back a little bit to Sorry. when no it's totally fine, because I skipped over it, too. So, when she revived Star in 2001, it was in an attempt to make the murder of Amanda Milan, who was a trans woman more publicly known. Mm -hmm. That's not a story I know too well, but I think that's amazing. Um, She, Sylvia began, she became kind of religious. She was a part of MCC, which was the Metropolitan Community Church. Church? Yes. And she began kind of, like, helping out in the pantry and then ended up, like, running it. And she says, she's quoted saying in an interview, I can come home and say that I actually tried to make a difference. She looks at her little brown paper bags. These are my soldiers. They're all going to go out and they're going to, you know. And it's the way that she thinks of everything. Like, you can either look at her and be like, this chick is crazy, or you can, like, see that. Because the way she speaks is so all over the place because you can tell she's thinking a million things at once. Or you can just look at it and be like, holy shit, this girl I mean, wants to do so much good. It is a little crazy, but it's like, it's it's such a, it's such a good crazy. It's such a good crazy because you know, like, she's just like, how am I going to... how? It's like she didn't have enough time.
0: Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like she's trying to do
1: so many things, and she doesn't have the time. She doesn't have the resources. She doesn't have people backing her up. In this day and age, if there was a Sylvia and a Marsha... Things would be way Ugh, different. Oh,
0: they'd get shit done. Yeah. I mean, they got shit done already. They did get shit you know? done. They
1: started the whole thing. I mean, like, they put trans rights on the map.
0: Yeah, and I think it's... I'm so glad that... I think it's interesting, the two that we chose, and I'm so glad that we chose the two that we chose, because um, I think it's, I think it's important to cover... Bisexual rights, because I feel like they're almost not included in, in on yes. this end of the spectrum of LGBTQ rights, and then I feel like trans people are completely on the other side of the spectrum as far as not being totally included in, in yeah. LGBTQ rights. Right, they're both very overlooked. I feel they're like, they're almost overlooked, and misunderstood, and misunderstood. And I feel like. I'm so glad that we are talking about trans women and trans women of color because their struggle is ongoing and still so misunderstood. And I mean, that's true. We
1: say that if they were around now that they would make such a big difference. I think they but would, but they would, but then you also have to look at they would still be hitting those same pitfalls of otherness. There they are, were both yeah.
0: they were both women of color. Right. And and trans women of color are still um, the minority, and they are they are the focus of a lot of of hate. They're mm-hmm. still the focus of a lot of. There are a lot of murders, unsolved murders, um, that happen every single year. Yeah, uh, trans women of color, uh, very in very very high numbers. Yeah, and I think still it's so stigmatized that they, d- you know, just like Marsha, they don't get the kind of attention. Yeah, that they. Deserve. Yeah. And um, so I think it's really, really important that we kind of put them at the forefront because, like, yeah. they are here fighting your battles. Yeah. Like, not just for people in the LGBTQ community, but people in the um, communities of color and yeah. for women. And they are I here mean, for all of your issues, so we need to be here for them, like, 100%. Exactly. And Sylvia
1: was fighting literally on her deathbed. There was a meeting. I don't have that part of my notes with me, but I'm going to tell you what I remember. There was a meeting... For the board of, I think, the GAA, the Gay Rights Alliance, where they wanted, um, she really wanted a trans person to be on their board. She wanted their language to be involved in, I think it was called Sanka... I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. Turn it, because I I have, like, some handwritten stuff. But there was basically a bill that was trying to be passed, and literally to her—on her deathbed, she was, like, getting people into her hospital room and, like, totally with it, like, arguing her point, making shit happen, and was like, I will not die until this is taken care of. And, like, her friend— said he was like, oh, I went out to go get some lunch and this meeting happened, and I come back and she's just, like, smiling and is like, I got something done. You know, like, she was finally just more at peace with what she'd wanted. and It's a beautiful
0: spirit, like, such a beautiful... It is. Like, it's
1: still so ongoing, but it's like, she is one of those people that just could not think of herself. And I wish she would have thought of herself more because she deserved it. And I think it's something that we all need to accept about ourselves and learn about ourselves that it's great to be selfless but it's also important to recognize your own strength and your own
0: um accomplishments yeah and And things that you
1: believe give yourself a
0: pat on the back and realize that
1: what you do is important Yeah. yeah and
0: i think especially right now um just because it's really been on my mind lately with We've had, you know, Avicii committed suicide this mm-hmm. year, and then Kate Spade, and then Anthony Bourdain, and these yes. are seemingly people who have, who have it, all. have it all. You know what I mean? And so I also think it's it's really important to take to to take some time and really focus on yourself and your mental health, and to also not judge others because I think people could have seen Sylvia living in a tent. Homeless, alcoholic, really like a like a heavy alcoholic, yeah, drug addict, drug addict, living in a tent, sex worker, in trans, yeah, all of these things, (laughs) all of these other categories. You know what I mean? And and you can kind of like take that and judge it, or like I've seen people kind of like they use things like suicide or drug addiction or whatever as a character flaw, yeah. And it's kind of like it's totally not. You don't know what else is going on with that person, and maybe anybody. Yeah. a drug addiction, meet
1: any trans person, and you will see how alike you are.
0: And maybe it's a person <laughs> who has, like Sylvia, like, maybe it's a person who has too much empathy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And doesn't know how to cope with their overabundance of empathy. Yeah. And it's not a character flaw. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah. And I just think it's it's something that for us all to, like, really keep in mind.
1: Yeah, to... to I mean, it's all about treating each other a little bit kinder, especially when we don't understand somebody, I feel like.
0: Yeah, try you know? try, try, to be a little bit empathetic. Yeah. Not, not too empathetic. Right, exactly. exactly. There's <laughs> a balance. There's levels yeah. to this. But, like, try, try to be empathetic yeah. to the point of, like, understanding how somebody else could be in a position that they're in. Yeah. But at the same time, taking care of yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so much about trans rights that I could get into, and what needs to be spoken about and i know that we are going to continue when we have better resources yes. to dig further into yes. that we want trans women or men to be a part of the conversation and not just have us telling you about it yeah um so but, i'm just but you told that
0: story very well thank and, you and thank i was really you.
1: trying to make sure that i did her justice in a way i like i said i really just scraped the surface on her there's so much more watch any of her videos you will be so deeply moved she is Totally moved me. Mama Sylvia, I love
0: you. Yeah. Grandma,
1: what is it? Grandma Rosa, Auntie, Auntie Claudie, Mama Sylvie.
0: And I would say Mama Marsha too. Mama Marsha we'll too. We'll cover next we'll, week. We'll
1: just say mamas. Mamas. Our, our mamas. Our mamas. Yeah. We have two moms, guys. Our mothers. Our yes. mothers. Um, so, and I also, really quick, because we are touching on trans rights and we've been mentioning trans women a lot, I want to give a shout out to the trans men out there. Oh, you're not forgotten. Yeah. You're not forgotten. I just want you all to know because you're feminist as well because you have been... The the whole feminine societal thing has been pushed on you since birth. You are becoming who you are as a man and um, not forgetting the things that you learned while you were being forced to be a, a woman, I guess. And um, we just want to make sure that you are also being seen. Yeah, we we see well. you
0: and we support you. And I know that, like... A lot of times on this show, of course, we're we're two cisgender hetero women, and we are women, and we're doing a feminism show. And I know that it can be very, uh, whether that's trans or otherwise, can be very uh, women focused, yeah. of course. But that I don't want to neglect our men, trans or otherwise, mm-hmm. because I think that men are. Im- an important part of the conversation. I think that trans men in particular are a huge part of the conversation. definitely, And, and have a lot to give to and it. Have a lot to give and have a lot mm-hmm. to say and have a perspective that I have zero knowledge or understanding yeah. of, you know? So I am so interested and eager and really want to know more about um, that area yeah, specifically. So, if you have insight on that... Guys, please. seriously,
1: we want to learn. We love this stuff. Any of it, any this of it. This is why if, we do the podcast. If Tell you us are, things.
0: If you are bi, gay, gender-fluid, um, pansexual, Pan. queer, uh, you are trans-female, trans-male, etc., etc. Gender-fluid! Yeah, we want... There's so many more words out there that I'm still learning. Yeah, filament, filament, filament. You know what? Plus, we're t- plus,
1: plus, 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 plus. You, you know, know what we're talking about?
0: Asexual. Asexual. Oh, I'd be interested in that because totally. I, I don't understand that. Tell me about it. Uh, not that I don't understand it. Like I don't understand it, but I truly do have. I've got no. I don't have any knowledge of it. So please tell us about your Send ship. us messages. We want to know. Yes, um, you can email us, especially if you have coming out stories. Yes. Please, please, because um, at the end of this month we definitely wanna on you. we wanna close the month out with coming out stories. If we don't get enough of them, we'll do a different story and then we'll read mm-hmm. whatever we do have at the end. But if we have enough, we'd love to do an entire episode of coming out stories. That'll so, be amazing. Um please send us your coming out stories to neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. DM us at angry
1: neighborhood feminist on Instagram. Hit us up on Twitter at YAMF, Y A N F podcast. And, uh, what else can I say? You can get us on Facebook. We have a
0: Facebook group. Just look up your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Hit us up. Yeah. Become our friends. Uh, look us up individually. My Instagram is She's Mad Again. And mine is Keegan.Winfield. I'm also on Twitter with, like, 30 followers and growing. Love it. I know. Um, I'm getting big time. So my Twitter (sighs) is Keegan underscore W-I-N. Um send in your Sister Solidarity stories as well. Please. Although we would
1: love to get your coming out stories, we still want to encourage you all to send Sister Solidarity yes. stories. Send us any sort of mail that you want, things that you want us to know about. Uh, you just want to say hey and chat with us and be buddies. Got a correction? Did That's we get cool. something wrong about
0: Frida or Sylvia? Please let us know. Let us
1: know. Is there something we should fill the audience in on that we left out? Let us know. Um but always be nice. That's
0: that's nice. Um, Everyone, yeah, I have to say, and I want to give a big thank you to our listeners because so I do have nice. to say... I don't think we have gotten... I mean, we've gotten some trolls on Instagram, but, like, as far as someone not writing... not listeners. Like, writing us... Yeah. We have not had one mean or no. rude thing. And that's not a challenge.
1: No, it's not. But as far as, like... Like, we'll get, like, Instagram trolls because we, like, promote our posts and right, things like that's, that. Right, but that's not... But it has not... But they've never listened to, like, right. our podcast. Yeah. Our so... listeners have
0: all been lovely and wonderful and splendid. And, and they've
1: become, like, our friends. Yeah. I love, like, seeing yeah. you guys post stuff and, like... I can see what you're doing. And that's one of you, whose is. name
0: I will not call out because my other podcast does not do names. Okay. But one of you, um, I was with my, I, I have another podcast. Um, called My Worst Date. Check it call, out. It's called My soon. Worst Date. It's all about bad dates. So if you're interested in that, that's going to be launching, I think, next Wednesday. But one of you listeners, and you know who you are... Messaged us with your bad date story. It was it was one of our listeners. It was one of our (gasps) listeners because my my friends who are my my co hosts on that podcast were like, oh my gosh, we're getting messages from strangers. This is amazing. And I I and you're like, like, I know them. It was (laughs) like, "Who, who is it? And they showed it to me, and I was like, I didn't read it because I want it to be a surprise when they read it to me. Yeah. Um, but I was like. I know that. I know that Instagram handle. (laughs) I love you guys
1: so much. And I love that, like, some of you guys have found me on my personal page. I think some of you have found me on my Facebook, too. And, like, I love it. I love having new friends. Me, too. Um, It's great. You all are wonderful. And we appreciate you. And um, let's say, oh, yeah, really quick, like, leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah. Just going to say really quick. But with that being said, we encourage you. To Ray John Bye Bye God I have to pee again (laughs) Every time
0: Hey there this is Justin Bartha I made a funny new podcast King of the Egg Cream It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts With actors like Louis Black I'm torn by my feelings for two women Bobby Cannavale You can eat it